We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I guess I got to stop dancing so I can welcome everyone <laughs> into the Irish Breakdown podcast. I told y'all he dances during the 30-second music. I do. I was, I was digging it. This, I don't know why. Vince knows he can't dance, but he likes to dance. I'm a chair dancer. I'm a chair dancer from way back. And once the legs get involved, I'm done. So, But anyway, uh, welcome to the Irish Breakdown podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at IrishBreakdown.com. With me, as always, is the boss, the buddy, Brian Driscoll, he is the publisher. You call me the boss. That only adds fuel to the fire of the people that think I'm mean to you and cut you off. Too much. <laughs> I added the buddy. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> it probably falls somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he's the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com. It is Monday, September 13th. And uh, because it's Monday, we have our look back on the weekend of college football. We also have our Brian Kelly press conference uh, summary. We're going to talk about some of the things that he brought up. His press conference, of course, is every Monday at noon where he previews the next week's opponent but also talks a little bit about uh, the game that was. So that is how we are going to kick things off, Brian. There was a a couple of news and notes that he dropped uh, in the press conference that was actually audible. Uh, Oh, my God. That was the worst press (laughs) conference I've ever heard. And and it has nothing to do with what Brian Kelly said. I turned it off. I don't and know who the heck is running the Zoom thing, but that person needs to be like removed from Zoom duties further. <laughs> there was like some delay where yes. like Kelly was talking, and then there was like some thirty second delay that he was talking what he had just said, and it was like they were both going at the same volume at the and same time. And when it's the time, same person talking, was, you can't. I, I was felt like I was going to have a stroke. Like I my head felt like it was going to explode. So I had. To, I was trying to read his lips. Yes. And hear the things that horrible. was his lips were saying it was awful. So horrible. we were able to, de- to decipher a few things, and here's what we'll discuss today. Number one, Vince, as you referred to, Jordan Patojo is back on the 2D. Brian Kelly said they'll find out tomorrow if he's able to go this weekend. So we're going to kind of recap everything that we know about that situation and how we got here, basically. Right. So we'll talk about that. He also – it was interesting. A lot of people are asking um, uh, uh, about Prince Collie. Being on the two deep, even though Brian Kelly said he's not available, which is why I've always said I don't put a lot of into the two deeps. Yeah, right. Um, 
but right. Prince Kali is on the two deep. He will not be available this weekend. He is still de- dealing with COVID. And that's according to Brian Kelly. That's not a source. That's something we have. That's according to Brian Kelly. He will not be available this weekend. Neither will Sebo. We won't see Sebo for two more games. He, he won't be available till the Cincinnati right. game. We know that, yeah. Right. And so uh, that – that and then, of course, he had some t- conversation about the interior of the offensive line and – and. Um, you know, it was it was a uh, it was an interesting press conference. The uh, the the questions about the offensive line were kind of funny. You know, and when people on the outside are asking about the outside noise, it's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, you're not on the staff, right? You know, you're not part of the Notre Dame team, yeah. right? Like, the only noise you are the outside. Yeah. Your job yeah. is to create noise. It's called covering the team objectively and honestly. But whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, exactly. Outside noise. Yeah, outside break. noise. When outsiders are asking about outside noise, that's that was always interesting. So, um, but anyway, so let's Vince, let's kind of just jump yes. right into the Jordan Patelho news. So yes. Brian, Kel- yeah. Good. Yeah, Jordan Botello, uh is, is there are pending a decision to be made tomorrow. If I understood the yeah. double speaking, Brian Kelly literally double speaking. It was his voice twice. Yeah. Um, just so, <laughs> if you didn't listen to the press conference, it was really just like the and it had nothing to do. He's that's not a shot at Brian Kelly. No, no, <laughs> it was it's not. We're it's trying not, to not saying, he's, yeah. Imagine if you have two people reading from a script. One guy comes in and starts reading. And then 30 seconds later, the other guy starts reading from the beginning, and they're both going at the same time. That's what was happening in today, but it was, but it was his, just Brian Kelly. But it was just Brian Kelly. If right. It was, too it was different, so like, weird. If it was two different voices, you could differentiate the vo- you know which one you're trying to listen to. But right. when it's the same voice saying it was really difficult. But So that's what I meant by double speak, not – you know, the way he was saying it. Right. But uh, but Jordan Batelho, there's a chance that he could play on Saturday, and I think that that would be a huge boost to this Notre Dame defense, Brian. Um, I mean, from from many levels. Look, he's disruptive. He is uh, – he brings high energy. And he is probably the one of the best, if not the best, arguably straight speed pass rusher. I don't know Notre if Dame it's has. arguable. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, enough. I get what you're – because like, like Isaiah Foskey, that's not – Isaiah is not a speed rusher. Yeah. He's, Isaiah yeah, he's is power. a power player yep. Yep. Uh, who has speed, but he's – his his Jordan's just – I'm going to explode Beach off the line. It, it would be a huge addition. And it's it's been kind of a weird journey to get here, Vince. You know, we found out – we were told this summer that he was away from the team for a little while because there was an issue, an eligibility issue. Is what we were told. So we're going to kind of give a little backstory now. This is what we were told. Now that he's back, we can kind of talk about it. Right. And at the time, we were told he was away from the team, and it was something that could be season-ending. Okay? So we didn't report on it because there was – you know, Notre Dame wouldn't confirm, and they were they were denying certain things. I sure. heard it from several sources very close to the program. Um, right. I have no doubt that that, that, that was a – that was the team felt at the time that there was uncertainty about his thing. But there was a, it was something that – it, it, he didn't do anything necessarily wrong that he knew of. He didn't do anything like it. There was no, he didn't, he wasn't doing drugs. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't grades. It wasn't anything that he necessarily did wrong from what we were told. It just sometimes things happen. Right. And there was an appeal process. And this is kind of how the appeal process is taken out. So sure. a week ago, we were told he may still be out for the year, could be four games. There was someone on our message board, however, last week that said, that he heard from his good sources that he was going to be back a lot sooner 
and this would definitely be sooner. So props yes, to that person for, for that. Yeah. Cause, cause I was, I, I got a lot more certainty about Jordan Patojo before the season than I got during the season. Right. From it's been very hush hush. And it's been very interesting. Yeah. And just like pretending kind of like it didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the fact that he went from, you know, second team to third. People were team talking just, about how he should be playing over Isaiah Foskey in the spring to where he's right. just buried on the third team and not get, not even on kickoff, not on. Nothing. Right. And, and that's another point, by the way, you just said, Bear, you know, not many on kickoff. He is an exceptional special teams player, especially on the coverage teams. And special teams have struggled, uh, in my opinion. So having adding him to that as yeah. well is a huge upgrade um, at some spots. I hope that we see him. Me too. I hope that we also are able to see. Here's how. Here's the sort of the domino effect of Jordan Patel being back as soon as he's back to being able to actually go and play full speed. Right. And I don't know if that's going to be this weekend or, or if there, if it's in the future. I, I just don't know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Number one, as you mentioned, the speed rush aspect. I, I can't wait to see him turned loose on third down. Right. I, I hope that we see him and him and uh, Isaiah Foskey on the field together at the same time. I hope that we see those two plus Justin Adamiola at times. Whereas right now, on nickel, a lot of times we're seeing at Justin Adamiola, Jason Adamiola, Justin Adamiola, or excuse me, uh, Myron Tungvaloa, sometimes Kurt Heinrich, sometimes J- Justin Adamiola and, and Foskey. I would like to see – both Adamiolas or, or maybe just Jason, depending on what the rotation is. I want to see Foskey and Batojo. And then the fourth guy can be whatever combination of people you want. Sure. Those guys have to be on the field together. I also think that, I'm sorry, go ahead, Vince. You were gonna no, I was gonna something. I would have liked to see I'd like to see Myron move inside on third down. Just they to were get, doing that because you know they were putting I mean? Jason outside. Right. My, then, my point is there were times they were like outside. two to three tackle type bodies in nickel. Like remember that that long yeah. touchdown against Florida State. I want to see more speed on nickel. At that, exactly. Uh, especially on third and medium and long in the nickel. And that's why Foskey, Jason Adamiola, and 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 Botelho need to be on there. And then the fourth guy can be, you know, whoever you want at that sure. point in time. It can be Justin, it can be Myron, or a combination right. of those other guys, right? Absolutely. Uh, the other thing it does is it allows you to hopefully play Justin Adamiola some at big end as, as well now, too. Right. Now, Justin can play both positions, and that adds even – Nana's done a good job, but he's not where Justin is yet as a big end. Correct. 
Correct. And now you have someone that's not just going to be able to spell Myron at big end, but someone who can actually, you know, give you the same caliber reps that you're getting from Myron at big end in Justin Adamiola. I think that also is going to eliminate if, if Justin's at big end, it's that dropping stuff that he's been doing that I don't really like him doing uh, as much is not a part of his game as much either. Correct. And Jordan Patelho can do that. He was a linebacker in college right. or in high school. That's the, uh, the final piece. If they want to do some of that three-three stuff, you with a viper, you now have the ability to do that with Patelho playing that position, and you can keep Foskey up front. Yes, and that that's, I would love that. That's where I could see that 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 nickel look, that three-down yeah. look being effective because Foskey's not that guy. Patelho played linebacker. He knows how to block, destruct. He knows how to scrape and flow and read and react and do all those things at the second level. He did that in high school. He was really good at it. Right, and he also would come off the edge. Right, so. If he's back, if he's back to the guy we saw in the spring, if he's able to kind of be fully into the rotation, I don't know if it's going to be this week or the week after. So we're not necessarily talking about what we're going to see this weekend. Sure. It's more of once Jordan Patejo is back and he's able to go, that's what we're going to see. Yeah. And I think it makes this defensive line, which has been pretty good the first two games, even better. So yeah. that's certainly a big a big thing. In my yeah. Opinion. Anything they can do to bring Foskey off of that second level, I just – I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I think Foskey's way more impactful to this defense when he's up front. Um, and you're right, Jordan Batello can play in space. And I think that's that's where, you know, outside of the pass rush, that's where he can really affect this defense in a positive way. So, yeah, it, it, he adds just another element to this team that you know, they're lacking right now. Uh, and it allows other guys to stay where they're really good uh, as opposed to kind of spreading them out. And I don't mean literally spreading them out, but like, spreading out the responsibilities more than maybe we'd like to see, uh, if that makes sense. So we got a couple of super chats, Brian, I want to hit here uh, before we move on to the next topic. Uh, Mark Grismanich says, have you heard anything behind the scenes to give you confidence that Saturday's O-line performance will lead to Kelly holding Quinn more accountable? No, I haven't, but it's also too soon for that. And and there right. were some comments about, you know, Brian Kelly making excuses for the offensive line and stuff like that. That was always going to happen. That's just how Brian Kelly is. I don't like it. Uh, I think he is willing to challenge other parts of the team, but not that one right now for some strange reason. Right. Uh, but I also don't think that Brian Kelly has blinders on and thinking the offensive line played phenomenal. On There's no way. I don't, I don't think he does. He's I mean, been a coach for two. He long. may not think that Jeff Quinn's the problem that you and I, he doesn't think Jeff Quinn's the problem right. that you and I think Jeff Quinn is as a coach, but he also doesn't think Saturday's performance was phenomenal. Right. That's exactly. just coach speak in regards to him holding people accountable. I, I kept waiting for that to happen during the Van Gorder era. I kept yeah. saying, this is going to be the game that gets Brian Kelly to tell Brian Van Gorder enough is enough, and it just never happened until he fired him. And he's not firing Jeff Quinn because he didn't fire Brian Van Gorder because Brian Van Gorder wasn't doing a good job coordinating the defense. There was a lot of reasons beyond that that, that led to Brian Van Gorder's termination. Right. He was getting pressure. That wasn't he was getting pressure. There was going to be a mutiny in the locker room. I yeah. mean, it was right. And that's the thing is you'll never have that with Jeff Quinn because Jeff Quinn is a very nice, likable yeah, man. Yeah, great guy. Diff, great guy. That, that's another thing that makes it way different. You're not going to have this revolt within the team yeah. because of him. Exactly. Um, now there are guys that may say, "Hey, look, he ain't getting it done," but that's a different, a different deal. Absolutely. So oh, we got one more super chat, Brian. Oh, the, did you have another? Is comment? it regarding the offensive line? 
Because uh, I want to finish this. Because I want to finish. Not, go ahead. I want to finish Mark's point about the offensive line. Um, so right now, Mark, honestly, I'm I'm not going to have confidence in that. I'm not going to have. There's no sources at this point time of the year are going to come to me and tell me that, you know, Kelly ripped Quinn. It's just I'm not going to get that info. I'm just warning you now. It's going to be a let's see how it goes on on Saturday. Now I'm going to talk to sources as much as I can to find out. You know, hey, we're, was Rocco getting more one reps this week right. or whatever the case may be? But one of the things that we heard from Brian Kelly was he said we're playing the right five guys. That's what he said. Uh, that could be coach speak. And and I also kind of expect that on a Monday. You know, I don't has he had a chance to sit down with players and let Rocco know he's going to play more or so-and-so know he's going to – he did say, now, could there be a rotation? Sure. So that did give me some pause that they know that that what we saw wasn't good enough. Because he's talking about a rotate. If if he thought that Saturday was fine and they just got to coach a little better, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't have talked about a rotation, right? Today, in right. my opinion, just knowing Brian Kelly the way that we do, I think he knows that. Hey, look, some dudes need to be held accountable, and they're gonna, you know. And again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's two games in. It's time to say Zeke Carell, your career guard is over, right? You know, maybe a rotation with Rocco helps Zeke get his game where it needs to go maybe it helps Caden Madden get his game where it needs to go but right now both of those guards to me are on notice and I would absolutely get you know whether it's Rocco excuse me Christophic Dirksen whoever uh, I'd get him right I'd put Carmody in there and, and and let him maybe do that if he's healthy and he was listed as the number one left tackle I believe Brian Kelly was talking about him when he said they need to test the ankle and see how it goes but it seems like it's better than they thought it was kind of hard. I, I I thought that's who he I'm was. I'm sure it about was Vince because I know it was an because angle it was, that it took was, him out. That but. double talk thing was yeah. difficult to but I believe he was talking about Carmody. So if I'm wrong about that, please understand it was a little bit of a different situation. Uh because I, I but I think he was talking about Carmody. And so it sounds like he should be okay. But um, you know, Carmody wasn't playing very well in the first half and and honestly, I thought Tosh had some better pass game moments in the second half than Carmody did. But then they both had their their big mistakes sure. in there. So no, no doubt it was it was a mess. And now now we can transition on okay. over to that other cool, one. Cool, dude. Cool, cool. Oh, you already got it. All right, yeah. cool. Brandon Bauer, thank you for the super chat, Brandon. He says, "Do you see a QB rotation like Golson Breeze? A uh, real Breeze? Reese. Wow, Reese in twelve uh, for Buckner Cone. I, I I see. I don't necessarily think it'll be a quote unquote rotation." And it's not going to be a situation where, like, you know, Cone plays and then, re, you know, uh, Buckner comes in as the closer. Because that, that was more kind of the situation in 12, wasn't it? Like, Reese would kind of close out games. What, At times, that kind of yeah. And, and, if, and if, like, he came in against Michigan because Golson was really struggling. Yeah. And then other times he came in to, you know, Purdue to close, you know, to lead him on that final drive right. against Purdue. And, It'll be different. Yeah. We'll see both. But it's not going to be the difference is because Reese was the veteran, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you could, this is you know, Everett got hurt against Stanford, and Reese came in and you know played the overtime. You know, late, late played late in the fourth, you know, through the touchdown pass in the overtime. And then, of course, when Everett got knocked out after the Oklahoma game, Reese came in and started against BYU. But I, I think, I think the spirit of the question is, is, is you know, not specifically how those two went. I'm sure. going to take the spirit of the question. Yeah. Uh, just in regards to sort of a rotation, I, I, I think what it's going to be is what you and I have been talking about all summer is Tyler Buckner is too dynamic not to do something. You have to give him enough snaps. And this isn't about and I know this is going to be the storyline all year. I get it. I understand. And, and, and I'm OK with it, because as long as people are talking about Tyler Buckner needs to start, it means that Tyler Buckner's playing well when he gets in there. 
So if, if that if that storyline continues all year, I, okay, that's fine. But you know, to me, I, I think Jack knows this was going to happen. This is always mm-hmm. going to be the case. From what I'm told, this has been something they've been looking into and talking about for the whole camp almost. Now, I've been told that Tyler. We we reported at Irish Breakdown that you know on our message board on one of our summer intel features that Tyler Buckner was pushing for the number two job. That's how good he was playing this this fall camp. And he's a very dynamic player with a completely different skill set than the other quarterbacks. And you have to take advantage of that. And that's what they're doing. And and the, you want to talk about a, a QB rotation that this is, I think, going to be like? It's going to look a lot like 2006. And it's not Notre Dame in 2006. It's Florida. Yep. Chris Leak was the starter. Fans all year were clamoring for Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. And Urban Meyer stuck to his guns about what the role was going to be for Tim Tebow. Yep, and and it was not as push Chris Leak. And this is the thing: you got to be careful because if Jack Cohn doesn't know, Jack, you're our guy. This isn't a thing about if you have a bad game, T- Tyler's going to come in because then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Jack's got to know this is my team, but we've got a dynamic player. Just like, hey, look, Kyron Williams is an All American last year. He comes off the field, right? Michael Mayer is a, is the best tight end in the country. He's going to come off the yeah, field. Yeah, absolutely. Sometime. Right. Kyle Hamilton's a, he's you're going to come off field sometimes simply because it's a way for us to put pressure on defenses and to get a dynamic playmaker in the game. This is still your team. OK, if it's fourth quarter, it's still going to be your it's, it's going to be your ball. OK, right. and I think that he needs to know that Tyler needs to know that because it's going to take pressure off both of them. And it allows them to both go out there and play their game, because if this football team is going to keep winning games, they're going to need both of those guys playing their clearly defined roles. Jack is the starter. Tyler is the game. There's the dynamic change of pace guy, which is exactly what they did at Florida in 2006. Yeah. And I think it's exactly what Notre Dame needs to do. And, and, and they need Jack Cohn playing at his best this season because Ty, it, the moment Tyler Buckner becomes the full-time quarterback is the moment teams can develop their entire game plan Correct. around him. And that's Correct. not what you want. It's not we, what you want. You, you have to play as a defense. You have to play Tyler Buckner differently than you play Jack Cohn. Period. End of discussion. And so when you mm-hmm. have both of them playing, you have to prepare for both of them, and right. that adds to what a defensive coordinator has to do. And again, you and I have been calling this for this all summer long, and they're mm-hmm. doing exactly. If if game two is any indication of what they're going to be planning on doing moving forward, this is exactly what we wanted to see. It's a package. You know, they didn't run anything exotic when he was in there. I mean, it was a it was a zone read package with some pass plays off of it, you know, things of that nature. And you can expand that a little bit as you move forward, but it keeps the defense on its heels. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you want to do. And I, I think it's fantastic. He brings a different element to the game than Jack Cohn does, right? But I still don't want Tyler Buckner in there when the game's on the line on the last drive. That's where Jack mm-hmm. Cohn is. And that's right. exactly how the, it played out, right? So I think right now, that's exactly what I want to see. Now, you mentioned last night that if if Tyler starts showing in practice that he can make all of those throws and he can – And make all the reads. And, I was going to say, be right. mentally in the game the way he needs to be as the starter, then okay, that's fine. It, it, at a higher level than Jack Cohn yes, right now. It needs that's to be higher than him. Now right. – do I have faith in Tyler Buckner in the future that he's going to be able to be that guy? Yeah, I do, but right. not like, yet. Guys, look, Tim That's Tebow it. was one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation, right? Guy, guy played for two national. Guy won two national championships. One is the rotation guy, and won a Heisman Trophy as a sophomore. Right. You know, won a national championship as a junior. Led Florida to a what thirteen and one record as a 
as a senior, was one of the winningest quarterbacks all time, set a rushing record at the University of Florida or the SEC for rushing touchdowns. And he couldn't beat out couldn't beat out Chris Leak as a freshman, right? Because there's value to having that veteran player that can execute the the all whole aspects. Because again, if you put Tyler Buckner in there and he can't run the whole offense the way Jack Cohn can, then you've now diminished Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin exactly. and Blaine Lindsey. And you've got okay. some dudes that yeah. right, yep, right. And, and so I mean, look, Tim Tebow in 2006 threw 33 passes and five touchdowns. He was also Florida's number two rusher that year with 469 yards and eight touchdowns. That's the kind of role, and that's why I've been talking about this Tim Tebow type role all summer because Buckner has a similar type of skill set. He's a different type of runner than Tim Tebow. He's not a 240-pound linebacker. He's like not running you over, but, but he, he'll he run by you. that dynamic yeah. running ability in a different got, form, yeah, but similar role. Yeah, yeah, and so that's what I hope we see this season. And I know yeah. people are going to be clamoring for, for Buckner to be the guy and all that kind of stuff, and if that time comes, great. I mean – Look, we're high on Tyler Buckner, but we also understand that that 99% of freshmen aren't Trevor Lawrence. Right, exactly. You know, and, and I don't think that you know, the offensive line being bad is enough reason to just completely blow up your whole thing. It's get the offensive line right. There's things you can do with Jack Cohn in the game that can also protect the offensive line, as we saw in the second half against Florida State, as we saw at times in the game on Saturday. So the line right. has to get better, but, you know, it is it, it just – yeah, sorry that that with what I had to deal with with the Brian Kelly press conference, every time that buzzer goes off in the background of your thing, I feel like I'm about to start twitching. It's driving me it's crazy. Like Pavlov, Pavlov's hey, dog. Mute yourself when you're not talking. The bell's gonna drive me yeah, crazy. I know, right? I try to keep an eye on the time. I've tried to do better at that, but yeah, yeah. I missed it all three is times. Is that like, hey, uh, you know, yard yard time is over? I mean, yeah. is that everybody <laughs> back to their cells. Pretty much. All time's over. Pretty much. Yeah. That means lunch is over and we're going into prep yeah. period for me. So anyway. Rouse, Rouse Productions also had a super chat, Vince. He said the QB changeup is what needs to happen for now because of our all offensive line, not because of defenses. Buckner's mobility may outweigh experience eventually. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that at all. First of all, I thank you for your super chat. But it, it sounds Absolutely. like it sounds like he's saying that Buckner needs to be the guy. And and I don't I don't think that, that because again, the, if the offensive line stinks, it, his mobility can only do so much. Everybody thinks that the only way to beat a bad offensive or to overcome a bad offensive line is with your legs. That's that's not accurate. There are things that they can do. Tommy Reese, if Tommy Reese knew that the offensive line was going to play as poorly as it did on Saturday, he'd have had a different game plan for Jack Cohn. And he'll have a different game plan for Jack Cohn moving forward. They're going to have to alter their game plan to, to be prepared for the offensive line to play that poorly. He's going to have to do that. And hopefully he's a smart enough guy, and I think he is. And hopefully there's enough experience around him with – John McNulty and Lance Taylor say, hey, look, we've got to have a plan in case our offensive line starts getting whooped like that. And that plan can include Tyler Buckner as a as a change of pace guy, but it has to include Jack Cohn as part of that process too. Absolutely. And you don't just ignore what he did in the opener. You don't just ignore what he did on the first series. You, I mean, look, the first his first big throw of the game was that 28-yard throw to Michael Mayer. He got drilled on that play, right? So Jack can still make plays when the pressure com is coming. And I think that people need to understand there are there – are, there are things Tommy Reese Cannon should go to that he can do to negate some of this that don't just include Tyler Buckner being the only answer. And if Tyler right. Buckner's your only answer, eventually, here's the deal, guys. Eventually, people are going to figure out what Tyler Buckner can or can't do. Right. Once he ha it, 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 we got to not fall in love with the backup quarterback syndrome. I've pointed this out before for decades in the NFL. Guys come in for two, three games, they start, put up good numbers. Matt Castle, remember him? 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Scott Mitchell, uh, Doug, uh, Johnson, uh, who you were talking about the other day, not Doug Johnson. Yeah. Uh, is it, was it Doug Johnson? And oh, for the bills. Yeah. 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 With you know, he comes off the bench, does some nice things. And all of a sudden everybody thinks he's an NFL quarterback and the bills keep waiting for him to become right. a great NFL quarterback. And he was never, he was never that guy. Nope. You know, and, and once you get full film on him, so it just, Todd, Jack Cohn's a quarterback and Tyler Buckner is a weapon you have to use. And I, I hope that people can come to grips with that being the reality of Notre Dame. And I hope the Notre Dame coaches come to grips with that being right. the reality. I hope that they don't try to say, hey, look, well, what if we get Tyler in there more? Now you run the risk of not making the offense as efficient as it needs to be when Jack Cohn's in there. Right. And and that's the that's the danger. And that's the temptation when you have a guy like Tyler Buckner at quarterback. Is Sure, sure. It's, and it's an understandable temptation. We have, we have one question here that kind of goes along with this, so I just want to throw it up here. Jeffrey uh, DeMunk says, question, why is Tyler Buckner the first guy off the bench when Pine is listed as the number two? I feel it sends a confusing message to not only Pine, but also to the fans who want the next star to play. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a great I question. People, I don't think people understand. Tyler Buckner didn't play because Jack Cohn was struggling. Right. right? Tyler Buckner played because he had a package that was right. going to be very effective for what happened. If if something happens to Jack Cohn, my uh, prediction is that Drew Pine is now going to step into the Jack Cohn role and Tyler Buckner is yeah. going to continue with his. Now, it may be expanded, right? right? I, I, you know, the Tyler Buckner role may get expanded, but I still think you're going to see two guys. That That's how I think it, it's going to go down because I think Drew Pine can do a lot of things that, that uh, Jack Cohn can do and then you can don't have to put it all on Tyler Buckner. And I think yeah. that's important. You know, I think part of this is going to determine when it happens, Vince. If that's it were fair. To happen. Yeah. If it happens now, and to, to answer Jeff's question, uh, this is something we discussed over the summer as well, Jeff. And it's because it, 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 it was a unique situation because Tyler Buckner has that unique skill set, is exactly kind of what Vince said is Tyler knows, Jack knows, Drew knows that Tyler's going in there because he brings a unique skill set. If Drew Pine was the athlete that Tyler Buckner was and the runner that Tyler Buckner was, he probably would have been that guy. Right. But he's not. And and neither's Jack Cohn and, and neither's Brendan Clark anymore. You know, and, and and Brendan Clark was always athletic, but he was never the the runner. There's a difference being athletic and fast and being a runner. Tyler is a runner. I mean, yeah, he can, he's a runner. He can make as you said, Vince, he can make people miss. He has good vision, all those type of things. So you know, to me, when you look at at this situation, they all knew that this was the role that Tyler was going to have. Right. That's they've been practicing this. Now, the more Tyler plays and the more productive he is running and throwing, and I thought it was really smart for Tommy Reese to have some th some throwing stuff in there yeah. for him. Oh yeah. And the first pass he was going to take was a bomb, and there was the they had a penalty where he got hit, and it was the 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 stutter and go to Brayden Lindsey. I loved that. I thought that was awesome because like, hey, look, you can come and run. Uh, you know, I was hoping he could get that throw off. You can come in and, and load the box, but this kid's going to throw it over your head. Right, right. And and the, the touchdown pass to, to Chris Tyree makes you think like, hey, look, you can't just focus on number 12 because we got 25, we got 23, we got four, we got zero, we got 87. And that's where it becomes such a, a, a challenge. And then the, the next series you come out and you've got to be prepared to handle, you know, Jack Cohn going through the offense and reading things out and right. all that. So I think it makes it really hard on defenses, but I think it, to, to Vince's point, had Jack Cohn gone down early in the game, I don't think they would have necessarily thrown Tyler Buckner in to run the offense for the next three and a half quarters. Right. It would have, I think it would have been, like you said, Vince, it would have been a, a Tyler drew thing, but I think then we would have seen maybe Tyler 
getting a little bit more right a bit of an expanded role i get right. that yeah right. absolutely and you now, make a good point if you get to game 10 or 11 and it happens and maybe I mean, you've already expanded tyler's role if and tyler yeah. keeps doing what he did on saturday right it may be by the wisconsin game and that's not a shot on drew it's just you know it's all about how much volume can tyler take and and execute because if you only know let's say you can only execute 10 percent of the offense at a very high level you can be a great change-up guy because the 10 percent of what you can do is so unique to what jack Cohn can do you become the full-time starting quarterback and you can only execute 50 percent of the offense teams are going to figure out real fast yeah and you're not going to be effective and they're just going to do things where it's like okay Buckner's in the game. Let's just drop eight and make him make him beat us as a thrower. Right. You know, I mean, th- there's things that they can do. So, uh, you know, there's there there's a lot. I mean, and again, the more the more you have to face two, the more you have to prepare for, and that's exactly. what makes it unique. And Jeff, that's why you can't bring in Drew Pine because to Vince's point, Drew Pine does the exact same stuff that Jack Cohn does. Right. So there's no there's no preparation changes for those two quarterbacks. It you're going to be the same offense with one that you are with the other. Mm-hmm. With Drew, with Tyler Buckner, you have to prepare for something completely different. We have a couple more super chats. Yeah, we sure do. J- oh, okay, I'll grab it. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I didn't know you were down there. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, that's the, I'm going against what we normally do. So uh, anyway, John A. One, thank you, sir, for the super chat. He says on yesterday's show, I B mentioned the O line GA getting Tosh Baker ready as a pass blocker, which would be great. How does Notre Dame address guard play? Hey, Jeff Quinn, do your job. <laughs> it, it's that and competition. I, right. I, I But that's to me, that's Jeff Quinn doing his yes, job. Right? You're absolutely right. You're right. absolutely right. Yeah. I, I gave it, a snarky answer. Vince is going to explain it. <laughs> Go ahead, Vince. <laughs> he needs to co- he, look, he needs, he needs to coach aggression. He needs to a coach, um, you know, fight in these guys. And, and part of that to me, and we said this on yesterday's show, I believe, is that I'm opening it up. I'm saying, look, whoever is the meanest, you know, most aggressive SOB is going to be my starting guards, right? In a good way, in a football way, right? That's what I mean. Don't I don't want people taking it the wrong way. That's what I and and that and that's coaching. He needs to get in his room and he needs to say, look, our play right now is not good enough, and there, you know, no job is safe. And as Brian alluded to yesterday, of course, Patterson and Lug are going to be playing. But you say no job is safe. I need guys that are going to go out and fight, and they're going to you know do this, and they're going to do that. So who could do it for me? Who's going to be that guy? And you, you, set, you challenge them. You challenge these guys. And that's the job of position coach. He knows his room better than anybody else. He knows how he can push the buttons of everybody in that room. That's what he needs to do. These guys need to be pushed, in my opinion. I don't want to say that they're complacent. But it, it it sure looked like that to me in the game. They're at least playing like they're complacent. And I'm sorry, you'll never have a good offensive line playing complacent. So that's I, what I would do. I don't think they played complacent, Vince. I I think – I guess I would say is I think they play like they don't know what the heck they're supposed to do. So they played that's, lost. They played lost. Yeah, and, and it can look exactly the same. It, it's like what we've talked about uh, – and I'm sorry, I keep referencing what we've talked about in the past – uh, it, it's, it's just one of those things where if you, if you don't know where it's like, okay, if you go into the, into, a, into a, a dark room, right. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be kind of like, okay, it's kind it's not like, like pitch black, but it's like really dark and you're not, it's a new room. You've never really been there before. You're going to kind of right. be looking around like you're uncertain of what you're doing. But if it's like that same darkness in your home, you're going to, you're just going to, yeah, right? Right. you know where you're going. Right. And, and 
you know, because you have experience uh, with sort of that. Okay, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Even though the circumstance may be, it's a new and what I, the reason I say dark room is because it's a new opponent. You know, they're going to throw stuff at you that maybe you haven't technically seen, but if you're prepared to coach up the right way, you can handle it. You know, like I remember uh, uh, one of the offensive linemen telling me one time they're talking about Harry Heastan, and he was like, he would just throw stuff at us in practice we didn't even see in film. Because he was like, hey, look, they're not, you know, th- we got to be prepared for everything. Right. And if you guys can pick up all the stuff I'm throwing at you in practice, then we're going to be fine picking up whatever they're going to throw at us. And get- that doesn't happen under Jeff Quinn. I, I, that is also a fact. Right. And so I think a lot of times it's like, hey, I'm not quite sure what to do here. And I also don't think, I think the technique is just terrible. I mean, th- th- that's the thing is teach these guys to play with, you got two short, short, stocky guards. Teach them to use that short stockiness to their advantage instead of having them stand up all the time right. and get knocked back, you know. The, pad, the, the lack of pad level teaching on the and the reason I say that it's across the board. Jarrett Patterson has that problem at times. Josh Lug has that problem at times. Uh, you know, Kane Madden's having that problem more now than he did at Marshall. You know, Zeke Carell's having that problem. That tells me, look, there's something different about the guards this year than there was last year. Well, what who was primarily coaching them last year? Wasn't Jeff Quinn? Right, exactly. It was a guy who's busy putting up nine points. Right. Anyway. On on Morgan State, know, but still, he's a two-lane. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I did want to get to a, a follow-up, Vince, yeah. from, from Rouse Productions. He, he did he oh, followed yes. up on the quarterback thing. So you want to write that one? He says, uh, what I was saying was the use of the two-quarterback system is based on our O-line, not necessarily the defense that we faced. And they will use Buckner more when needing mobility when Cone's skill set isn't working. Okay, so so he's not. I read your question, Rouse, as uh, as the change up meaning you needed to change what was happening. That's how I took your your comment. If it's if it's what you're saying, then yeah, I'm fine with that. But it, it's it just can't, we shouldn't be having this conversation. And I guess that's what ticks me off. We should be talking about well, if the offensive line sucks again, then you got to play Tyler Buckner more because now you're hurting your offense even more. Because you've taken you've look, you're averaging 345 yards passing per game. Right. And a big part of that is Jack Cohn. And you know, he threw for three 239 on Saturday, had a 37-yard play brought back that went to Avery Davis brought back because of an illegal man downfield. And I gotta I gotta look more into that rule because um I, yeah, I, I have un, I have uncertainty on that rule because I've heard the rule is is you know, you can't be downfield if you're an eligible guy if you're not blocking someone, but Jared Patterson just drove the guy six, seven yards off the ball. I mean, he was blocking him the whole way. So, and I was under the impression that that, that, you know, was factored in, but apparently it's, it's not at least based on the call. I don't know. It's confusing, but you know, to me, we shouldn't be having this conversation. You should be using Tyler Buck. It's, you know what it is, Vince. It's like what I say about blitzing. You should be able to use Tyler Buckner because you want to, not because you have to. Absolutely. And when you and, and, and this isn't to your question because I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. It's it's more of a frustration with the situation that you're that you we have to consider using Tyler Buckner because you have to, because it's and it's not about Jack Cohn's skill set not working. Jack Cohn's skill set works fine. It's about whether or not the offensive line is able to let the offense get into any kind of rhythm. And the reality is, is that yes, you can get away with that against Toledo. Toledo, Wisconsin's not Toledo. Cincinnati's not Toledo. Uh, Virginia Tech's not Toledo. You're not going to be able to just roll that Tyler Buckner dice out there every time and right. expect the same results. Because again, right. remember, Toledo had zero film 
zero film yes. on Tyler Buckner. And now there's film out there that there's, everybody's going to be not going to be the case anymore. Right, exactly. They're and the be more ready for him. Get, we get to Cincinnati, there's going to be three games of film. When you get to Virginia Tech, there's going to be four games of film, right? And, and so on and so on. So at the end of the day, and, and your point's correct, but at the end of the day, I'm not pushing back on you. I'm just making a statement that that can't work long term because at some point in time, the line's going to have to play better because yeah. then it'll become a problem for Tyler Buckner. And teams will find a way to attack the offense with Tyler Buckner in the game. Uh, final uh, super, well, not final necessarily, but the the last one that we've got to get to. DBZ, thank you very much for the mm-hmm. super chat. This is too much to ask for our rushing attack to be more like Michigan's. Isn't that sad? Ugh. I mean, isn't that sad? That hurt me to read. I didn't. I even watched read that it. game on. <laughs> I watched after the fact. I watched the Michigan Washington game, and there's a bunch of linemen that Notre Dame rejected. Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan, and some of these guys that, that Notre Dame didn't want, didn't think were good enough. And um, you know, Ryan Hayes, the guy they lost to Michigan, and and I'm watching this line that I don't think is super talented, and I'm watching them just bully Washington. Yeah, and they're not super talented, but it's a mentality. Shamar Moore has them playing physical football, and I'm thinking that's embarrassing that Michigan is putting that line out there with guys that Notre Dame thought weren't good enough to play there, and they other yeah. guys, and and they're looking like that against Washington, and then Notre right. Dame looks like they look against flipping Toledo, right? You know, and it was frustrating. Yeah, because she's right, Vince. I mean, she's right. It's like if Notre Dame's offensive line looked like Michigan's offensive line right now, Notre Dame would be averaging over 50 points a game. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's, it's disgusting. You know, and again, I didn't expect the line to look like 2020, but it should not be this bad. Any Anyone saying, well, you know, four. Sorry. No, no, that's an excuse. This line is playing under where they should be right now. Significantly under. Search agreeing. Those old linemen wouldn't be as good as if they come to Notre Dame. Honestly. Isn't that sad? Yeah. And he's not wrong, Vince. I know he's not wrong. I know. He's That's why wrong. I put it up there. It's a joke, but it's not I, a joke. I think he's being serious. Yeah, it's not a joke to me. Yeah. I mean, because he's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, uh, real quick before we get to Ron's uh, super chat, uh, Michael Johnson says, Brian, it was a bad call. If you're engaged with the defense, it's not illegal man downfield. And he says, uh, part two, if you're not engaged and five yards downfield, that would be a flag. Right, and you can't go five yards downfield, then engage and then someone. then finding somebody. Right. It's like you have to ha- right. He was blocking that guy right. at the line of scrimmage and then drove him off the ball. That's not illegal That's why I didn't think – that's, that's yeah. what I thought. So I appreciate Michael clearing that up. That's what I thought the rule yeah. was, uh, and it's how the rule should be. Right. You know, he shouldn't be able to go downfield and hit a linebacker three, four yards downfield and then drive that guy because that's – that, maybe that's offensive pass interference, basically. Not just down the of a man downfield, which, but you're hitting Notre the guy. Dame, which Notre Dame did, by the way, with my I know. Like, hey, you know what, though? Screw it. I'll take <laughs> I, it because they did that worse than that against Florida State last week. That tight oh. end turned around and blocked the dude as they, yeah. just out of Miola as they ran across and ran underneath them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so it's finally nice that Notre Dame finally got a call. On <laughs> I know, favorite. right? Right. But yeah, that was a terrible. That was a terrible sell of the pick play by Michael Mayer on that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he literally oh, man. Just- and he was like, <laughs> right? They didn't call it. But I mean, that was a big play <sighs> that got taken back too. I mean, you know, you had that play too there, and Jack Cohn's numbers looked a little bit different. And that sure. was the thing about Saturday that kind of when I rewatched it, and we didn't really talk about this last night in the upon further review events. Uh, that was the thing for me is there were so many things that if you just clean this, 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 and up, and I'm not even talking about the line. That was one bad officiating call. None of that else. None of the other stuff was bad officiating. That was the only bad call. I didn't think it was a poorly officiated game other than that, um, that one call. Uh, 
I thought at the time those pass interferences were bad, and you were like, no, watch, look, he's got his hand on it, and we saw the replay, and, and you were correct. Yeah, live, it didn't look bad at it all. It didn't look like it. I give those but, refs credit because I can yeah. never see that stuff live. Yeah. And then they got, they got, I mean, look, you see the replay, you're like, hey, they got those calls right. Those, yeah. those, those are the right calls. Um, you know, so, but they're just like those little missed opportunities that if you do this, if you do that, you blow this team out, mm-hmm. even with the O line playing poorly. And I guess that's why I'm not as down in this team, maybe as some other people, because a lot of the stuff I look at is like, what's correctable and what's not. Sure. And, and even if the offensive line doesn't get that much better, there are things that they can do that, that can, overcome that to where they're not going to all of a sudden be like a um you know eight and four team i have people's all oh, sure. they're seven and five team no, no they're not because if they're going to be a seven five team they'd already have a loss right they're not going to lose they're not going to go four and five or, you know what's it be five and five down the stretch they're not going to go five and five down the stretch you know but if they don't make these improvements yeah they could be nine and three you know mm-hmm. they could be eight and four at worst case scenario and and that's not acceptable this team should have a 10 and two Absolutely. floor. And yes. it's, to me, it's going to come down to the offensive line. Cause a lot of that other stuff Vince, is going to get fixed. It's game one, game two problems. And as I watch a lot of the other college football, and this is what the rest of our conversation is going to be about. Right. So <laughs> in theory. Yeah. So, Hey, let's discuss kind of just dive into that now, Vince. Because oh, well, we got it. We got to get Ron's super chat. We okay, haven't go gotten ahead. to it. I apologize. Yeah. So Ron, thank you very much for the super chat. He says the old line looks beyond confused. QB doesn't matter if you can't stop the opposing D line. Bingo. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Thanks, Ron. Yep. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.